Please turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians 5, 16 through 26. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For, those are, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, enmity strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that these who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. If you haven't turned there already, please do. The Galatians 5, Galatians chapter 5. As you do there, I'd like to invite you to pray with me so that this can be a meaningful time. Lord, there's no meaning in this if you're not in it. As awesome as these words are and as great as this time is to spend together, uh, if it's not for you and if it's not about you, if you're not in it, Lord, it's, it's for nothing. And so we ask that you would change us, give us the, that grace that we need to, uh, to really allow this passage to speak to us this morning and change us as a result. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. In life, you're, you're going to have to make difficult decisions. And the reason why... I, I've been preaching through the series that we're preaching through is, is because I, I think that we get into those situations and we wish there were a particular verse we could turn to and say, oh, okay, that's, that's what I do. Well, that's the move I make. Um, should we move into this community or not? Uh, should we buy or rent? Should I take this job? Should I get the surgery or should I hold out? And just continue with the meds and therapy. Um, is this the right person for me to marry? These are, these are questions that we're either going to have to ask or should be asking. And they're difficult questions for sure. And no, uh, if you're wondering who you marry, who, who, should you marry this person, you're not going to necessarily go to verse and say, yes, marry Sally. I mean, it, these are things you have to wrestle with. And we want to hear from God. We kind of wish we could go back to those times where Moses had a burning bush and an audible voice. I want you to get your stuff and go back to Egypt. I can't talk. Take Aaron with you. Here's the plan. Map it all out. No need to think about it, Moses. I'm mapping it out for you. I'm speaking to you from a bush that's burning but won't burn. But we don't live in a time where God does that often or frequently. Not that he did it frequently then. But you and I, most of us, are not going to come home to a burning stove that doesn't burn or wake up in the middle of the night with an angel in the room telling you, you need to quit that job. Well, we have to wrestle with these decisions. 
is we want to do what's right. We want to make sure we do a wise decision, make, make sure we do something that doesn't displease the Lord. And so we wish we could make those decisions easier by just flipping to a verse. We'll go to the family bookstore and pull a book and whatever the author says, okay, I'll do that. Um, makes me think of a, a years ago um, when my cousin was dating his wife. wasn't his wife yet. They were just met. And he told me, uh, oh, she's great. I said, why? Well, how do you know she's great? You know, he says, well, I, I gave her the door test. Now, he ended up getting this from a movie. He says, well, here's how it works. After the date is over, you're going back to the car and you walk her to the passenger side. Be real gentlemanly like and you use your key and you open that side of the door. You let her in. She gets in. You close the door. Now, as you're walking around the back of the car, you peer through that back glass and you see if she leans over and unlocks your door for you. If she doesn't do that, you dump her. <laughs> now, in the movie, you know, the, the, the kid's saying, but, you know, because the, the, the guy had finished telling the kid, you have to search your heart, follow your heart, do what your heart tells you. She tells you, dump her? Yep, if she doesn't lean over and open that door for you, you dump her. What about all the stuff you said about following your heart? Forget that, kid. The door test. That's all you need. <laughs> and so he told, did you see? So, you know, it's one of those things where we wish we had a test like that for everything. I mean, do I buy this house? Well, do the, the welcome mat test. You know, do the, you know, do I marry this person? We'll do a door test. You know, it's, we, it, it simplifies everything. So that we don't have to do the work of searching our hearts, prayerfully thinking about things, seeking God, godly counsel. How do you weigh this counsel? Some counsel might have more points with you than, than someone else. Um, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of heart, sometimes heart-rending work. A lot of emotions involved. Emotions are confusing. I just want to look at this objectively. And it, it's not that simple. And so... Decisions become difficult. And there's something about us where we, we don't like messing with the tough decisions. We want rules so we don't have to wrestle with heart and mind and prayer and research. We want rules so we don't have to really think and feel our way through an issue. In the Old Testament, believers needed rules because they were too hard-hearted to be sensitive to God's affections. God couldn't just say, hey, be nice to your neighbor. No, he said, here's how you draw lines between boundaries with a neighbor. Here's when you're picking neighbor's grain. Don't take a bucket. Don't be greedy. It's your neighbor's, you know. And he had to spell it out for them like that. And so they literally, okay, I can't take a bag. I can't take a bucket. But if I can hold the corn in my hand, I could go to my neighbor's yard and take some of his stuff. Uh, rules. And back then, they had those rules so that they can just look at it black and white and not have to figure things out with their hearts, not have to figure things out with their spirits or their consciences because they were untransformed. And when you and I, when we pray for specific guidance from God, we don't want to feel God out on an issue. We don't want to just pray and just seek what the Lord is leading us to do. We just want the answer. We want the rule. We want the formula. We want a door test. But living just according to rules doesn't work. Um, those Old Testament believers were looking forward to a time where they would be released from living under those rules. 
when Jesus didn't come and die so we could continue to live under specific laws, he came and died so we could do what they couldn't do, and that's why they needed those laws. And Paul talks about that here in Galatians 5. Take a look at this, because this has everything to do, I think, with how we make decisions, tough decisions. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. Now, Paul's writing this letter to a group of people, the Galatians, and the Galatians were in a tough spot. They, they knew Jesus came, they knew what Jesus did, but they had all these Jewish believers telling them, hey, you've got to circumcise, you've got to do this, you've got to draw these lines, you've got to live according to these rules, here's all the ceremonial laws, you've got to keep this stuff, God said do this stuff. And so the Galatians were on the right track, and then they started going back to like Old Testament stuff, and, and Paul saying, hey, that's not the way to do it. And so here's what he says. He says, but I say, as opposed to living under the law, he says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I mean, isn't that the point of the law? The law is to say, here's what God wants you to do. Here's what would displease God. Do not kill. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal, okay? Since you can't figure it out with your heart that killing somebody would be wrong, I'm going to just put it on a tablet for you. Oh, Moses smashed those tablets? Here's another prayer. You know, it's right there for you to read it, to look at it. Um, he's saying that's, that's the purpose of the law anyways, to show you that these are, these are the things that displease God. But if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You're really angry and you want to, you may not kill that person because you're civil, but, you know, in, in barbarian times, you'd kill that person. You know, you, you've got anger and bitterness toward a person. And he's saying a law can't solve that for you. Living under a law, just because you're like, I'm not going to kill him, I'm not going to kill him, I'm going to obey that law, that's not enough. Jesus died for a radical transformation so the Spirit could take over you. And you walk by the Spirit, and you don't kill that person not because some law says not to kill him. You don't kill him because you love him. Yeah, but look what he did to me. You still love him in Christ. It's the something that, that is born in you by the Spirit. He's saying that's how you don't gratify the desires of the flesh. It says, verse 17, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. We have a conflict inside of us. It's our old nature. It's our old self. It's this natural bent that we're born with to displease God. When you come to Christ and the Spirit indwells you, there's something else in there. There's, there's God Himself indwelling the believer, prompting you to walk with Him, to do the things that don't gratify the flesh, but satisfy Him. And those two things will war inside of us all the way until Jesus comes back or until we meet Him. There's going to be that battle. And he's saying the way to fight that battle is not to have more rules. The way to fight that battle is to submit to the person, the author of those rules, to submit to the Spirit. And what does this have to do with decisions? Well, first you need to recognize that this is God's primary concern. Where you go to college is secondary. When you get to college, will you live by the Spirit? That's primary. I mean, can we get that difference? I mean, who you marry is important. 
But will God be praised? Will God be worshipped? And it's, that's the primary concern. Are you gratifying your own desires by being with this person? Or are you gratifying God's desires by being with this person? We need to start there. Otherwise, it doesn't matter if you, if you say you want to hear from God. You don't want to hear from God because these things he's making plain. We walk by the Spirit, and it has to begin there. And um, I love how the ESV study note defines walk by the Spirit. What does that mean? It says walk by the Spirit implies both direction and empowerment. That is, now listen to this, making decisions and choices according to the Holy Spirit's guidance. I mean, that's... That's what walking by the Spirit is. You make choices and you make decisions not because that's how mama raised you. You make choices and you make decisions not because that's what pastor said. You make choices and decisions because the Spirit is guiding you. And refrain from displeasing him in that way. Verse 18, he continues to explain. He says, uh, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now he already explained that that doesn't mean throw the law out the window. Oh, I, so I can murder my neighbor now? No. Of course the law still applies, but it's something else. It's a it's it's what the law was trying to point to. It's this radical transformation. So if you live by the spirit, the law doesn't need to tell you to do something. You can do that something. We no don't we no longer need detailed list of do's and don'ts. I was at this restaurant having lunch with a friend, and I get to the front, and it's, it's not a Panera, but it's like a Panera. And there's sandwiches, there's soups, and there's salads, and there's something about you could do a half this and a half that. And I'm like, I get it. I've gone to Panera. And I see a sandwich I like, and I see a, a salad that I like, and I ask my friend, I'm like, um, are there certain sandwiches that you're supposed to pick from and certain salads you're supposed to pick from? He goes, I don't know. And all I see is sandwiches. Boom, there's all the sandwiches. Salads. Boom, there's all the salads. I said, I guess I'll pick one, half that. I pick another one that I want, and I, I want half that. And so I get to the to the counter, and, and I ask the guy, let me get a half this sandwich and a half that salad, please, and a regular drink. And then he looks at the register, and he goes, um, you can't do that. And I just give him a quizzical look. And he goes, well, you see, the salads, you have a mixed green salads. And out of the mixed green salads, you have these choices. And I said, yeah, I don't get it. Let me just get the sandwich. And then he goes, okay. And then he proceeds to take my order. Now, in that moment, I felt like a big jerk. And the reason why was because I cut him off. I was frustrated that the menu wasn't plain enough for me to just order and he's sitting there trying to explain. He's talking about mixed greens, like I'm some kind of chef. And I'm going, oh, yes, the, the, the romaine, that's very that's in season today. <laughs> no, I just want a sandwich and a salad. But out of my frustration, I just cut the guy off. Yeah, you know what? I, I don't get it. Just give me the sandwich. You know, I, I, I shut him down. And I, I felt bad about it. The whole time I'm eating my meal, I'm like, I, I feel bad about it. And I, just, I feel bad about this. It's ridiculous. It's probably, probably not that big of a deal. Now, is there a law in the Bible that says don't cut anybody off? No. But it's wrong because it's rude. It's wrong because it wasn't kind. And I know it's wrong because something inside of me, something, right? The spirit grieved in me in that moment. I knew I said that out of frustration. And I cut him down because of it. So 
what Paul's trying to teach us, guys, you don't need rules to do what's right. You don't, need to, you don't need rules to make every decision that you make. You need to let the Spirit of God rule your decisions. That's the difference. Every decision you make, you're asking God, is this right? Is this going to please you? And you make decisions based on that primary concern. Is this walking in the Spirit? Is this like Him? Is this like the Spirit to do? And we have to begin there. So when we ask God to give us guidance on specific decisions, I think a lot of times we're asking for some law or some rule to tell us what to do exactly. We're uncomfortable with allowing the Spirit to guide you. You know, I think his main way of guiding is not to serve up answers on a silver platter. He may do that. I mean, God, I think God can send an angel. I think God can give you a dream. I think God can give you an audible voice. I'm not saying God is suddenly powerless. He can't do these things. But that's not his main way of doing things. He wants you to do things on faith. He wants you to do the work of feeling him out, understanding him, learning his affections, his likes and dislikes, learning him, understanding him. So when you make decisions, you know how to make Jesus-like decisions because you know Jesus so well. Versus I got a decision and uh, Jesus, what do you say? All that? Okay, thanks. How impersonal is that? God doesn't want that. It's not his M.O. You know, as a husband, I want to make my wife happy. That's, that's not my primary role as a husband, to make her happy. My primary role is to help her be a worshiper. But I do want to make her happy. I don't want to just go, just, we're going to go to church and worship. You know? I'm not trying to sap the, the happiness out of the marriage. No, I, I want to make her happy. But I don't have a Tina playbook where I can look up birthday under B and turn to page 405, figure 5B, and look at a diagram that tells me how to come up with something to do for her birthday every year. What do I do for her birthday? I need to listen to her, learn her, understand her. Oh, let me think about our conversation. What did she say she's been wanting? Hey, that takes work. I'd rather have a book that I can flip to page 406 and say, this is what you get, Tina. When she goes back and Facebooks everybody, they're going to go, wow, Pastor's the greatest birthday gift giver. You know, people, guys are going to be like, Pastor, give us a conference on how to handle wives' birthdays. And it's going to be so awesome because I had this playbook given to me by God. No. It takes work. I have to learn her, understand her, look at her face. I say good morning. She says good morning or good morning. Oh, good morning. I mean, I need to listen to that. What does that mean? If there's a sigh in it, if her mouth is curved when she says it, I mean, you got to learn that, right? That's what God wants from us, guys. He doesn't want us to go to life, go through life, and every time we come to a decision, where's the verse for that? Well, what, what, how's God been prompting you? How's God leading you? Are you walking by the Spirit, learning His affections, learning what He likes, learning what He dislikes, so when you get to decisions, you can do that in a godly way. Um, God doesn't want to give us rules for every decision, guys. He wants the Holy Spirit to rule every decision. He wants the Holy Spirit to be first and leading in every decision. Now, some decisions are not that difficult. If you look at what Paul says in this verse, uh, beginning in verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident, 
I mean, this doesn't take a whole lot of spiritual feeling to figure some of these things out. These things are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. In case you thought that was just a list, oh, if Paul didn't check it on that list, I'm okay. No, and things like that, stuff that grieves the spirit. And if you notice, he's got some real ugly stuff in there that we would go, oh, he did that? So when are we going to, you know, attack his house and excommunicate him? But then there's stuff like, you know, envy. That's like, oh, yeah, you know, well, we all do that. You know? No, all these things, that, these things that we know, if we allow the Spirit to check and we look at and we read Scripture, I mean, these things become evident to us that these things displease God. Not all decisions are difficult, guys. Should I marry this person? Well, this person's a drunk. What do you think? Read this and you ask the question again. Would God want you to do that? So some stuff is not that hard. But then he doesn't just provide a list of negatives. He lists, This is what it doesn't look like, but he provides a list of what it does look like. He says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do these negative things, such things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's serious. And then verse 22, but what, is it, what does it look like then to walk by the Spirit? Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. If you were to write a list of character traits and just say, what is your spouse like? Or what is your son like? Or what is your daughter like? Some you spend a lot of time with. What are they like? And you just start writing things down. And somebody said, the Spirit of God lives in you, right? Yeah. What is he like? Paul's doing that. He's like, well, I think, I think, what is the Spirit like? What does the Spirit do in someone's life? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You learn the Spirit. You understand the Spirit. You're in step with the Spirit. That's how you are. Well, I think some of you may be you know, what does this really have to do with decisions that I make? First, to keep in mind that nowhere in Scripture we're told that God's going to give us answers to every decision that we find difficult. But what he does make clear are the characteristics of a wise, godly person who walks in the Spirit. What does that person look like? Like this. If you can look like this, you're going to make decisions that are wise, that please him. So let's look at this list for a second. The fruit of the Spirit, as an example, and see if it's relevant to decision-making. Right, let's look at the first one, love. Verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love. So say you're thinking about somebody, and you're thinking, should I marry this person? And you might think this person you're thinking about marrying loves you. But does this, does this person love you with the love of Christ? Paul's not talking about hallmark love. He's not talking about, uh, you know, the latest romance movie in Hollywood, that love. I remember when the movie Titanic came out, I regretted watching it. And then I came out and said, oh, that is so romantic in the love. Jack just loves Rose. I'm like, are you serious? They just met. He didn't respect her physically. I mean, that, that's love, really? Maybe it was gentlemanly. To let her get the iceberg, whatever the thing that they're floating on, you know. But but look, guys, let's allow scripture to define love, not Hollywood, and begin there. 
Suddenly you see how directly relevant this is to decision making. Now, if you're, if you're hung up like, well, but he wears polos. I really hate polos. It's so dorky looking. I wish he wore this other kind of shirt. Hey, get a life. Okay? But if your decision, you're really, you're like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Is this person someone I could commit to? Hey, does this person really love you? Let's start there. Let's open it up to some other things. Look at the next one. Love. Then there's joy. This decision you want to make, will it bring you more self-happiness? Or will it bring you more joy in Christ? Sometimes they're the same. Sometimes they're different. You know, if there's the Spirit is prompting you to give something away, and it's going to hurt you to give that away. You say, hey, keeping that would make me really happy. But giving that away would bless that person in a way that that's not happiness, that's joy that I get. To see somebody receive something that they couldn't afford themselves, and I've got three of them. That's, that's joy. Well, is this decision going to be more happy for you or more joyful in Christ? There, there's a difference. You learn that difference by walking in the Spirit. And you make decisions in that way. Love, joy, peace. This promotion may provide more income, but will it detract from peace? Peace. You might get more income out of the promotion, but you lost hours, less time with the kids, less time with the spouse, late hours, more anxiety, restless sleep, grumpy in the morning. Well, what's worth more? Peace that's born of the spirit or the hecticness that the American workplace continues to push us toward? Why not make your decision on that? Sometimes to us, that's not a tough decision. Promotion, bam, next day. You come home, actually. Hey, got promoted. It's not a time for discussion. It's more money. And the spouse doesn't question it. Got promoted. How come we didn't talk about it? How do we talk about that? More money. That's not a spirit-guided decision necessarily. I'm not saying don't take promotions, guys. I'm saying ask the question. Will this, will this help us create more peace in the house or less? Patience. I think that's pretty simple. Do you really need to make the decision right now? God, give me the answer. I, I'm sick of waiting. Maybe you need patience. Kindness. I think many times we run with the things that we have the legal right to do. And I had the legal right. That jerk had a stop sign. Yes, you did have the legal right. Was that kind? Thinking, maybe I'll sue this person for something they did. I have the legal right to sue. I know for a fact that I would win win the case. What if we start with kindness? You see how directly relevant this is. Our problem is we make this irrelevant when it is. Goodness. You know, when you relent from making a bad decision because you know it's wrong, that's what concerns God primarily. Even in an instantaneous decision, like how am I going to speak to this guy who's driving me nuts with this ridiculous menu? How how am I going to speak to him? In that moment, I wasn't thinking goodness. I was thinking, oh, just give me, I just want to go sit down. Can I eat, please? That's all I was thinking. I was thinking to myself. You can extrapolate that into all kinds of decisions that we make. Is it good? Faithfulness. Will making this decision is it, will making this decision propel your faithfulness toward God, or will it tempt you to compromise? 
think that's an important decision to make. Is moving to this community going to pull me away from this church that I've been plugged into and I'm worshiping and it's great. And over here is kind of barren. There's not really a lot of churches there and I'll probably end up not going to small group anymore and getting disconnected. That should weigh in on your decision. Faithfulness to the Lord. Two more gentleness he lists. If there are people, think about it this way. We talked last week about recruiting godly counsel. If there are people in your life that can provide godly counsel, they can weigh in. You have a tough decision to make, and they can weigh in with some godly counsel because they're seeking the Lord, they're prayerful. Are they going to feel free to share it? Are you the type of person that's defensive or attacks when you hear something contrary to what you're thinking? See, but if you're a gentle person, you might get more feedback. And feedback is good. Last thing he lists is self-control. Do you do things, do you do things impulsively? Or are you able to control what you immediately want to do so that you can allow the Spirit to guide you to do what you should do? I struggle with that. I, I just want to jump on it. It's pros and cons. List. Boom, there it is. Let's do it. What's there to pray about? You know, Patience, self-control. And then he ends by saying in verse 25 and 26, he says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let us walk by the Spirit. The verb there is different than in verse 16 for walking by the Spirit. Here it means more like falling in line. You remember following the leader and you fall in line and whatever the the leader goes over the stump, you go over the stump. The leader goes around the rock, you go around the rock. It's follow the leader. That's walking by the Spirit. He's not going to misguide you. He's not going to let you make a big mistake and then in heaven, why did you choose the house? I said townhome. Walk by the Spirit, make this your primary concern, and allow God to guide you. This isn't to say, guys, that decision-making is always going to be easy or clear-cut. Really, as I prepare these messages, I try to think of decisions that I'm in the middle of or have made that were really tough. But it requires prayer and thought, and research, and consulting. If you want God to lead you, you want to be hear from God, you need to be invested in His Word. You need to surround yourself with other people who are doing that. And you need to walk by the Spirit. That's the kind of person that makes wise choices. That's the kind of person God leads. God doesn't want to give you the details on every decision, so you can have rules for every decision. He wants the Spirit to rule every decision because he rules your heart he rules your life and he makes you like him and we bear the fruit of the spirit we make right choices let's pray father i don't pretend to know all the difficult decisions that we face and that are represented in this room things that involve very deep personal feelings things that involve Two very divergent paths. I mean, this decision can mean a radical change of life, or maybe we might miss a huge opportunity if we don't 
decide on it now. And there are all kinds of different decisions that we have to make, financial, relational, marital, parental, all kinds of decisions that are tough. And we wish we just had a verse that had a law about what to do. But Father, you intentionally did not provide specifics on every single thing. You intentionally don't give us a dream every night on exactly what to do every next morning. You intentionally don't visit us with angels before every single decision we have to make. You want us to learn you and feel you and be sensitive to your affections, what you like, what you dislike, what displeases you, what pleases you, what brings a frown to your face, what brings a smile to your face. So when we make decisions, we can have you at heart and say, if I make this move, if I do this thing, if I take this job, let me think first of the fruit of the Spirit. Can I be that better having made that decision? Can I advance God's kingdom more having made this decision? And I pray we would do that as a more uh, more primary way than we do see how it affects our finances or the things that make us comfortable. Sometimes the uncomfortable decision is what will please you because it will increase faithfulness and patience and kindness. Lord, we ask that you would give us what we need to make decisions your way. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.